Welcome to the CMC Podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to be a doer of the Word. Today's message is brought to you by our associate pastor, Paul Kern. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 25, and we're going to be looking at the parable of the three servants in this session. So we're learning about the kingdom of God. Jesus taught about the kingdom of God in parables, the principles of the kingdom, the order of the kingdom. He used parables to explain it, how the kingdom works. So we're going to be looking at the parable of, uh, some call it the, th- the, the three gold bags, the, th- the parable of the talents. Um, we're calling it the parable of the three servants. But we're going we're gonna to read this together. So Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their, what? Abilities. He then left on his long trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money. He earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work, and he earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, everybody say long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I have earned five more. The master's full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. I would like to have been there for the celebration. How about you? Be interesting to see how they celebrated, right? I'm sure it was good. Then the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I've earned two more. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Well, then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops that you didn't plant and gathering crops that you didn't cultivate. I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops that I didn't plant and gathered crops that I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. Now listen, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be what? Given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So here is the the parable that Jesus is using. Now, the, the Gospel of Matthew devotes two full chapters to end times, okay? It's all about Jesus leaving and coming again. 
And so we see here that there's a couple of chapters that's devoted to this. And so how does Jesus prepare his followers for his return? By telling parables or telling stories to them. So in Matthew 24 and in Matthew 25, Jesus begins to talk about his second coming and he begins to give them warnings about his second coming. <clears throat> so, you know, it's important, the, the end times. But as he continues teaching about the second coming, he kind of changes his tone and he begins to relate one parable after the next, teaching them about the kingdom of God and about the second coming. So these are kind of what we call the parables of the last days because they, they have to do with end times. So that's what Jesus is talking about here. <clears throat> Specifically, Jesus shares two parables here. One about the ten virgins or the ten maids and one about the three servants. He covers both of these. So if, if really you kind of wanted to give them both a title that really encapsulated what Jesus was talking about, I, I guess you could call it the tragedy of missed opportunity because that's exactly what it was. There was opportunity that they had been given by the Lord, but it was a tragedy that they wasted their opportunity. Now, for, for example here, let's talk about the parable of the wise and, and foolish virgins. So that really talks about staying ready as you patiently wait on the return of Jesus. Okay, so just mathematically, he took 10 virgins, all virgins, right? All godly, all pure, all had lamps that were burning. So they all had light. They were all saved. So we, we see the analogy here. Except five were wise, five were foolish. Now, statistically, basically we're saying 50-50. Okay, and I don't know if he's applying that to the modern day church or if that's just an example that he's giving. I mean, it could have been, you know, seven and three or six and four, but he chose five wise, five foolish. So the, the five virgins that had oil for their lamps, they represent believers who are pursuing Jesus. They're staying in his presence. They, they're, they're full of, of his presence and they are living a life eagerly waiting the return of Jesus. They're thinking about him, you know, him coming back, right? This is what we see. Now, the parable of the three servants, it reveals two servants who exhibited the serving life. So there's a, there's a waiting life and there's a serving life. And these two parables really present to us what each of these look like so together they bring a balance and I think it's important that Jesus kind of shared these back to back here because they, they show a balance of believers looking forward in anticipation to the returning of Jesus and by that they're living a life of preparedness right you know I used to <clears throat> people used to ask me well Paul when's when do you believe Jesus is returning do you believe it's a hundred years do you believe it's 500 years do you believe it's 6,000 years and and I'm and I always usually lean toward well I'm, I'm thinking probably five or six thousand you know I, I I don't really know but that's that's what I'm thinking and they always go are you serious 
And I'm like, well, I mean, kind of. I said, I think it would be better for you to have the mentality that he's going to be gone a long time because it said that he was going on a long journey. And so I would rather go ahead and click it in my mind that it's 5,000 years instead of five days. Because if you go with the five-day scenario, okay, after five days, what are you going to do? But if, if it's 5,000, okay, I got to live in preparedness because I know it's going to be a while, but he is going to return again. Can I have an amen? And so I think the difficulty for us is maintaining a balance between these two concepts. We're to look forward and rejoice continually to the thought of Jesus returning and, and coming back, but we're not to sit back idle and wait for Jesus to return, and, and we don't do anything. You know, I got my ticket, you know, I got my salvation ticket. I'm waiting on Jesus. I got my seat right here in the church. Don't get in it. You'll get my religious spirit stirred up. <laughs> and so I'm good, right? And, and, and so saving faith is best modeled by serving faith. And for me, when I got saved, it was a call to serve. It wasn't a call to camp and warm a seat. It was a call to serve. And, I, and I'm not saying that you have to, you know, in, involve yourself in five-fold ministry to serve. Obviously, there's pastors and teachers and evangelists and, you know, I, I understand that. I was serving Jesus long before I came on staff here as air conditioning and refrigeration guy but I was serving Jesus. I served in my church, I, I witnessed to people, I shared my faith, I discipled young people, I had them in my home. I mean, I, I was serving. So Paul had to admonish believers not to be busybodies while they were waiting on Christ to return, which caused them to interfere in other people's duties and, and their work and what they were doing. And, and I think that's another reason Paul reminded us in Galatians, he said, don't grow weary in well-doing, right? And, and because you can grow weary in well-doing in the waiting. And with anything, like a promise or a dream or whatever, you can grow weary in the waiting. Can I have an amen? I mean, it's just a natural tendency that we all have to fight. And then Peter had to admonish believers who were convinced that the Lord's return was so far away, they just abandoned all moral restraint and kind of started living worldly lives. And he was like, hold up. You know, we're called to work diligently for the kingdom while we wait for Jesus to return. All right, so let's get specifically into the three servants here. So a man's going on a journey. He gives portions of his estate to three servants who each make choices regarding how they're going to handle the master's money. The, the parable says after a long time. He was going on a long journey. And so after a long time, the master returns, and now it's time to settle accounts. The, the audit has come, Okay. And everybody just say, the audit is coming. Hopefully not for you and the IRS, but there is another audit that is coming, and it's coming for all of us. So, so the story begins with these simple words. It will be like a man going on a long journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. And so even as he sets the stage, Jesus is telling us something very important, and here's what I want to be the main emphasis of what I'm talking about tonight and the thing that we really got, we really got to get a hold of. We have an entrustment. 
We have an entrustment from the Lord that has been given to us. Everything that we have has been given to us by God, our very breath, our life. Everything that we have, God has given it to us. So here's the question. Do you see yourself as a servant or do you see yourself as an owner of all that you have? Because really that's what we're talking about here. This is really what Jesus is, he, I mean, obviously there's a lot of insight that he's given us to the, to the return of the Lord and what we ought to be doing while we're waiting, but this is really the, the thrust of what Jesus is talking about. <clears throat> Everything that we have has been given to us by God, so do we see ourselves as servants or do we see ourselves as owners? And the answer will change how you live your life in every way. It'll change the whole paradigm of how you see everything depends upon how you answer that question. Because a servant lives for the day that his master will return and he can return to him his possessions. That's what a servant is thinking, right? See, an owner believes that it all belongs to him and he can do with it however he likes, whenever he likes, and spend it any way that he likes. So there's a huge difference, are y'all seeing this? There's a huge difference between an owner mentality and a servant mentality. And the point being, all we have, our material goods, our abilities, our talents, our giftings, they've all been given to us by God and they all will require us at a point in time giving an account of how we handle them in our lives. You know, I tell our interns at Applied Life Leaders Academy, our, our college age internship here in our ministry, I, I tell them to treat everything that belongs to other people as if it belonged to them. Treat everything that belongs to other people as if you were the owner. So like for your boss, you, you work like you're the owner of the company, like the, like the outcome of the finances and the success of the company depends upon you. Man, what a, owners of companies, isn't that a good thing to tell young adults? I mean, be, being an owner. And so you take ownership. So in that sense, having an owner's mindset is very important. But in another sense, we've got to live with a constant awareness that we really aren't owners. In actuality, none of us really are owners of anything. We, we have merely been entrusted by the real owner with, this, with his possessions, and we're going to have to give an account for how we handled his possessions when he returns. And this is the whole point of what Jesus is trying to get us to see here. So all that we have in life, we will have to give an account for how we handled it when the true owner, Jesus Christ, comes again. In Matthew 25, verse 15, we learn uh, next that each servant has a different amount of money that's entrusted to them. So, you know, it, it, and it says, and I had y'all repeat this after me, each one according to their what? Ability. Each one according to their 
ability, not according to what family that they were born into, not according to an inheritance. It's each one according to his what? Ability. And it's important for us to recognize this. Now listen, everyone receives something. Everyone receives something, but not everyone receives the same amount of something. Can I have an amen? I mean, we, we can just look around the room. There are different levels of something with everyone here in this room. Some people have a more of something, some people have less of something, but everyone has been given something, they just haven't been given the same amount, but they've been given that according to their abilities. So used in context, and, and we're talking about talents here because that's the parable of the talents. So, so, so basically used in context, talents always refer to money. But really, this just, it, it represents a measure of weight, okay? Because that's how they did things, and, and, you know, it's kind of changed for us. But we can still, you know, if you take a, a, a $1 coin in your hand, the weight of that is very different than a penny, a copper penny, right? And so, you know, basically, the value of a specific coin depended upon its weight and its composition, and that's what gave it its value. So for, for example, a talent of gold was extremely valuable because its weight and composition was greater. Silver was valuable, but it wasn't as valuable as gold. You know, bronze was valuable, but obviously not as valuable as silver, copper, and so forth and so on. Y'all understand what I'm saying here. So, so as far as the number of talents given to each man, the metal content of the coins and their actual worth, really in this parable is fairly irrelevant to Jesus's point, okay? What Jesus was emphasizing was common accountability. Now, this is what you got to get. Common accountability for differing levels of responsibility based on individual ability. And that's what we've got to grab hold of here, okay? So, Jesus mentions only three levels of responsibility here, and I'm sure there's obviously a whole lot more, but he just uses three probably to keep the, the parable simple and the illustration simple and easy um, to grasp. But, but, you know, these represent an extremely wide range of individual abilities among people, and we see this in normal everyday life. We see people that have a, a great degree of ability and responsibility and other people they don't possess that same level of a degree of ability and responsibility so we see a varying range of abilities among people and that varies greatly in talent intellect and other abilities that they that they have as a matter of fact even Jesus's disciples had different levels of responsibility with him and so this, this is just how God does things, guys. Now, in our day and age, this don't go over well because we're all about equality. And everybody is supposed to get the same piece of pie. As a matter of fact, if you got a pie, they're telling you, you ought to give some of your pie to them. Now, my response is, well, this is America. Can't we all have a pie? Can't we go make your own pie? I made my pie. 
you go make your pie. If you want to eat all your pie, eat all your pie. If you want to share your pie, share your pie. It's up to you. But, but once again, as we, see, as we see what the Bible is talking about, and, and, I, and I don't want to get into, you know, a socialistic agenda here of which we're, you know, floating down the stream toward right now at this very minute. That wasn't what Jesus espoused. And so it, it's really tempting even for us as believers. Listen, and we got to be careful. Even as believers, it's, it's tempting for us to complain about how we didn't receive as much as someone else. You know, you could be a young adult and you could go, wow, you know, why do they have that? Why does he get her? Why does she get him? Or, you know, or whatever. And we can, we can complain about these kinds of things and talk about how it, it you know, it's not fair. But we, we've got to be careful, you know, because... It, it, believers with different capabilities and opportunities, they may produce differing results while working with equal faithfulness and devotion. And that's the point. It's not what you've been given. It's are you going to be equally committed and devoted in faithfulness to what you have been given? Then Jesus says, if you will be equally devoted and faithful, then guess what? I'm going to be able to give you what? More, not more stuff, more responsibility. How many of y'all want to be blessed? Go ahead, raise your hand. Don't leave your hand down because, you know, that's just, that's not true. We all want to be blessed, okay? Well, here's how that works. More responsibility. More blessings mean more responsibility. The more that you can juggle, the more that you can handle, the more that you can be responsible over, the more blessed you will be and the more potential you will have of being a blessing to other people. Can I have an amen? So, believers with different capabilities, Believers with different opportunities produce differing results, but we all are called to work with equal faithfulness and devotion. In other words, we are responsible and we are able, regardless of what we have. So I just want to encourage you, don't get caught up on what other people have, looking at what other people have. You just be faithful with what you've been given, okay? And for those of you that have been given much, don't get all prideful about it. Be humble. Be, be very humble. And those of you that have been given little, don't whine and complain about it. Be thankful. Be grateful. Be diligent. Be responsible. Okay? And, and we don't have time to go, because there, there's a bajillion things that you can talk about here. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that this parable can be applied to your life in many ways. But, you know, one of the things that, once again, we tell the interns, you know, you got to be faithful in the little to be a ruler over much. You know, and, I, and, and if you're a parent, communicate that to your young person. You know, but you got to be faithful with the little room that you have if you're going to want God to bless you with a nice big apartment one day when you get out of college. 
If you can't be faithful with the little room that you have at home and keep your clothes picked up, if you can't be faithful with the used car that you have and it's not filled up in the floorboard with Chick-fil-A wrappers, I mean, why would God bless you with something greater? So, there, you know, there's all kinds of things that can be gleaned here in this. But once again, it all goes back to, are you a servant or are you an owner in your thinking? Hello? So let's go on. It says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned. So he's telling us that his return is sure. It's going to happen, even though it may not feel like that sometimes, right? It's like, Jesus, when are you coming back? I mean, it's the year 2022. I mean, they made Blade Runner a long time ago when that was movie was talking about the future and it was now and now we're here and the cars aren't flying. Good grief. You know, when are you coming back? I mean, so it's like a long time. But, but he's, he tells us even though it's a long journey, he is going to come back. And even though it may not always feel that way, we've got to know he is coming back. And upon his return, we will be called into account regarding our faithfulness to what he has given us. Can I have an amen? See, all of us give an account. The second coming isn't for just other people that we know, those people. You know, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Are you ready? You need to be turning that finger around and asking yourself, are you ready? And you can tell if you're ready by how you handle day to day, okay? And what your mentality is about day to day. Now, each servant in the story presents the master with results of their stewardship, what they had been given. They presented it to him. So, so they tell their story first to the master. The master listens to their story because they're given an account of what they did with what he gave them. And so, you, you know, I just kind of, okay, I'm playing this out. Oh, is this what it's going to look like when I stand before the judgment seat of God? So God's going to say, okay, let me hear it. Well, okay, God, now, I know, I understand that if you were to look at my checkbook, I spent more on my pet poodle than I did on your kingdom. But, 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 but let me explain myself. Let me, let, me, let me explain myself to you real quick. You, you, you know, you got to understand that I just, I have a hard time with people. How's that going to fly? See, we're getting a picture here behind the scenes that Jesus is giving us, and he's showing us, okay, I, I've blessed you with these things for a reason. You're going to give an account for these things, and, and you know, the, the bank statement is going to be one of the things that comes out. And, it's, and he's going to be looking down here, okay, let, let's see, uh, giving, hmm. Man, you were a big giver. That's awesome. Well done. And then there's going to be others. Well, let's see, I was afraid the economy and the world we live in, it's a harsh world and it's tough. And man, I had to, you know, I got to, I got to take care of me, mine and I, Jesus. I mean, are y'all seeing this? Okay. Because, because sometimes I think what we tend to do is we tend to we don't self-apply scripture when we read it. It's for other people. And, and we think of those people. 
You may be nudging that person right now, <laughs> right? So they tell their story and the master listens. And when the first servant demonstrates that he managed his affairs well, the master speaks. Matthew 25, 21. Look at that. 25, 21. So the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I'm going to give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And I love this. I love reading this because... The master sees that the servant handled the master's affairs, the master's possessions well, and guess what? He gets to share in the same happiness as the master. Now, what master does that? What master puts a, a servant in charge and says, okay, you've got a responsibility, go out and do something with this and make it produce. And then he comes back and he says, okay, how'd you do? And it's like, well, I, I did this. And he said, man, that's awesome. And he reaches in, he says, here, have some. Celebrate with me. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I, I like that kind of master. I don't know about you guys. And, and I just think sometimes our view of the second coming is so centered on judgment that, that we overlook the celebration for people who handle things right. You know, I remember when I was growing up, I, I mean, the, people had me so convinced of the dreadful day of the Lord. I mean, the blood red moon, the, the whole earth being burned up in a fervent heat, the stars falling from heaven, and they would have me turning in revelations and reading, and I was literally terrified, terrified. And for me as a kid, Jesus coming back, that wasn't a good thing. That was a really bad thing. And so I, I, would, I remember lying in my bed at night praying, Jesus, don't, please don't come back in my lifetime. Please don't come back in my lifetime. Please don't come back in my lifetime. Because I didn't want the Lord to return because of the blood red moon, the stars falling from the sky and the fire burning everything up, which I assumed included me, <laughs> right? So no, it was terrifying. But for those servants who are prepared, Jesus is showing us a picture. This is a time of celebration. This is a time of great joy, man. You ought to be really excited about this. And this is why the Old Testament prophets I think return, uh, refer to the return of Christ as the great and glorious day of the Lord, right? Joel 2.31. So on his return, Jesus is going to look for those whom he can invite to share in his joy. And I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those people. Can I have an amen? Say, say it. I want to be one of those people. Well, we do. And there's going to be judgment, true. I understand that there will. But the master's motivation here, Jesus' motivation is for us to share in his joy. He's not capitalizing on the judgment. He's capitalizing on the joy. So Jesus also tells us about this third servant. And we're going to wrap up with this part. He presented the master with a single coin that he received at the beginning. And we can all learn something about how to prepare for Christ's return by looking at this servant's actions. And, and, and Jesus really used this guy as an example of the guy or the gal that you don't want to be. <laughs> that was the whole point. So this last servant 
See, he viewed the master as harsh. He viewed him as an unrelenting, legalistic, you know, club-wielding, law-preaching master. And, and the servant's fear caused him to make unwise choices and he didn't respond correctly to the day of his master's return. So the lesson for us from the third servant is this. Our view of God and the type of master we see him as being will determine how we live our lives. It will determine how we connect with the Father. See, you're either gonna see Jesus as a friend and God as the Father and the Holy Spirit as the teacher and the empowerer, or you're going to see God the Father as the guy with the club, Jesus the agent who's coming with fiery eyes to wield the master's club, and the Holy Spirit's gonna be the one that makes sure everybody gets rounded up. It's just all in how you see things. Matthew 25, 24. This guy saw Jesus as a hard man with unfair and unrealistic expectations. And because of that, he hid what he had been given and he missed his opportunity. See, it's the tragedy of missed opportunities. And, and, and listen, I, have, I remember when I was 23 years old and I gave my life to Christ and, and I started living for Jesus and I was a big, I was a drug dealer in my hometown, man. I was just really messed up and lost and, and you know, I, I was very well known in my hometown as a drug dealer. So I had lots of friends that were, were buyers and dealers and, and man, they just saw me make this total transformation in about three weeks time. It was really incredible, my salvation and what happened. I just got saved to the bone. It's like, I didn't want that anymore. And, and, I, and I remember friends calling me and connecting with me and talking to me and just, you know, just their unrealistic expectations of the Lord, their, their warped view of what God was like. And I lived that way for a very long time because I, you know, I grew up in a broken home with a father who was an alcoholic and he was fairly abusive and difficult. And, you know, that was kind of my view of God. And so things in life can happen to you that can really distort your view and cause you to see the father, the master, in the wrong light. And here we have this guy doing the same thing. And so he saw God as this hard man, this unfair, unrealistic God with these unrealistic expectations. And if we do that, it will cause us to live our days in fear. It will cause us to live condemned. It will cause us to live shameful. Are y'all hearing me? And especially for those of you here that are maybe young Christians, new Christians, or maybe you're not all that knowledgeable because you haven't read the Bible all that much, it's very important that you hear what I'm talking about here. If we eagerly look forward, eagerly look forward to the return of Christ, we, fi we find all kinds of freedom and confidence to live for God today. I love what the Apostle Paul, see, he understand the freedom that we can experience through the grace of God. Let, let me recount his words. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
Now, that was a revelation that the Father God gave the Apostle Paul. And I'm praying that's a revelation that we will all have in this room here. We don't have a master who has unrealistic expectations of us. We have a master who wants to celebrate with us. And he wants us to experience his joy. So as I close this parable of the second coming, it contains a depth of teaching regarding how we can prepare for the Lord's return through the everyday choices that we make. Every single day. Every decision. And when Jesus returns, he's going to be looking for those that he can extend the invitation to and say to them, hey, come share in my happiness. Come experience the joy that I have waiting for you. Amen? Did y'all get something out of this? Let's give God a hand clap. Stand with me tonight. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that, that Jesus spoke in parables so that we could understand and we can grasp kingdom concepts. Lord, help us to be faithful servants, servants, stewards over all that you have blessed us with. Go before us this week. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the CMC podcast. If you'd like to watch our sermons live or looking for more information about our church, visit cmcchurch.com or follow us on Facebook at Christian Ministries Church.